Okay, today we're here with a really interesting guest. Uh, really looking forward to this one, actually. Not, not somebody I know so well personally, so I'm really looking forward to learning more about this guest. Uh, it's Mr. James Warren. So James was a, was a judoka, fought for GB for many years, uh, many international medals, World Cup medals, um, yeah, from, a, from an era of tough judo, 66 kilos, inside and outside of GB. So, um, and yeah, really interesting story outside of the sport. I'm sure we're going to get some really uh, yeah, interesting stories today. So thanks for joining us, James. Oh, thanks for the intro, Tom. Good to see you, mate. All right, Jim. Alan, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I've, been lucky, I've been lucky enough to practice with Jim, be coached by Jim. Um, practicing wasn't the, always the best. It's horrible to fight, tough, but taught me a lot of things on the mat and off the mat. So I'm really grateful. Um, to start off with, uh, Jim, if you could just tell us a bit about yourself and your background in sport. That would be wicked. All right, mate. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I guess my background in sport was just like a lot of us starting really young, six or seven. Um, actually started gymnastics was my first sport, uh, which I, I had a natural kind of thing for, but I actually hated it because I hate wearing a leotard. Um <laughs> Couldn't stand it, man. Um, but yeah, so at one point I did gymnastics and then I did judo from there because they did judo in the same sports centre, um, which was Wanstead Sports Centre at the time, probably around, was, would that have been 1980, mate? Um, yeah, and then wrestling probably took that up a couple of years after starting judo. So at some point I was doing all three, probably about the age of eight or nine, something like that. It was just, it was mad, just, just literally training every night and fighting nearly every weekend. And I just used to like, I just, all I wanted to do was to go out with my mates and stuff, but let's go training. But, you know, it's, it's a really good mates to judo. Like, like, you know, as you, as you, as you know, when you were a kid, before I started judo, I didn't really have any mates because I was so shy, man. That was the whole point. That was the whole point of, of going. When I, when I was doing gymnastics, I was still kind of shy and stuff. But judo actually really brought me out of myself. Um, probably just you get your head kicked in, don't you, for a couple of years and stuff. So, kind of. Um, but you make some really good friends and, and you make some bonds. And, and uh, so, yeah, that was that was a good part of it. But I've always had really good mates outside of judo as well. So I've always wanted to spend time with them too, and always wanted to do other stuff because they've always done so much training, you know. So, I guess my background in sport was just a lot of it from a really young age. Do you know what I mean? And um, and it, it, it does it does give you a foundation, you know, starting that young, I guess. So you, you always, you know, I'm still going now. So uh, and not in too bad, Nick, but you know, not 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 quite not quite there. But you still doing any judo? Or is it just jits now, Jim? No, mate. I've I've probably done more judo than I've done jujitsu in the last couple of years, anyway. Um, which just goes to show you how much jujitsu I've done or judo I've done because I've only done a little bit of judo, but. For some reason, when I get on the mat and do some randori, I, I still think I can fight like I can 15 odd years ago. And, and the truth is, I can't, you know? And uh, But I still love it as much. That's the problem. So the next day, I feel like I've been run over, man. But um, yeah, it's fun, isn't it? And I just love, I love, you know, we're down at Campbell. I love, you know, when you was down there and stuff. Loved, I love getting on with the boys and having, 
having a bit of randori as well where I can. But um, you know, I I would definitely be doing some judo if I could right now, hundred percent. But um, yeah, it's just it's nothing happening, is there? Um, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool how everyone's trying to crack on with their judo clubs though and do like classes and. I think people seem to be supporting clubs really well in that, which is, you know, again, I always think it's a really good part of judo. People pull together and stuff. So, you know, we'll get through it. But, yeah. Um, so what attracted you to, like, combat sports? I know, obviously, you said you'd done it to, like, train when you, as a kid to bring you out of your shell and stuff. But, obviously, when you were in it, what attracted you to stay in it? Honestly, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I, I would say, yeah, if I wasn't taken to judo, then I, I wouldn't say I, I might not have even done it, to be honest with you. It wasn't a natural thing that I wanted to do. Like, I just like, like, I just like going to see my friends there. And, and I, yeah, I did quite like the training and stuff. And I did once, I started to like it once I could do it a bit. You know what I mean? It's horrible when you can't do it, isn't it? And you're just getting flung about everywhere. And I guess that's where we all get our favourite techniques from because the first time we ever catch someone, it's like gold, isn't it? Um, I think that's the moment where it gets you, you know, once you, once you, once you have a little bit of success. And, and um, you know, in judo, I think the, uh, the payoffs are so huge when they do come, you know, sometimes they're few and far between, but when you get paid off, you know, they're so huge, you know, uh, it's like when you see someone celebrate when they've won a tournament or a medal or even a, even a first fight sometimes, you know, winning the first fight can feel like winning the championship sometimes. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it's that first little sniff of success, isn't it? It gives you, that gets you hooked. Before that, it was, it was just, um, a rollabout and a Kit Kat after, wasn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So obviously you started with gymnastics. How did you get into wrestling? That's actually something I've always wondered. I never really, I never asked you, but how did you get into wrestling? Yeah, so when I when I was young, so my my first club was just a small, I think it was, I, I, had, I don't even know, but I think it was a BJC club, but I was only there for a few months. And then I went to, RSC Judo Club, which was a big competitive club, you know, um, run by Pete Sunsbury, he's like my favourite judo coach in the world, because um, he was just amazing with kids and he taught us amazing fundamentals of judo, uh, like on and off the mat, uh, which is really important, I think. Um, sorry, what was the question again, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> how, did you get, how, did you, how did you get into wrestling? How did you oh, start? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's it. And... Um, at the time, there, there was uh, two lads at the club, Stephen, and, Stephen Cooper and Barry Cooper, two brothers, and they were both really lovely judo players. Uh, I think they were both on the national team at some point. I mean, I was so so young to know exactly where they were. Or, but, you know, I know they're, they're, they're just, like, fantastic. You know, I looked up to them greatly. And so did people. We all did. And they were lovely, lovely guys in that as well. And um, so, and, and they did wrestling. They both did wrestling. And after, after they did, their, their judo just transformed as well, you know? And they became even better. And it was like, it was just, it was just really interesting. We, 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 
you know, at the time as well, a big rival club for RSC was Pinewood. And Pinewood would just had the most amazing name was that. You know, we just used to just get pinned, pinned all the time, left, right and centre by some of them boys, you know. Um, they're just amazing, like masters on the ground. So I remember my dad saying, "You should, you should, uh, you should get, you should get into a bit of wrestling, man. Just, just improve the Nawaza, because actually we didn't do a lot of that at, at, at RSC. Not to, not to, uh, you know, not to criticise or anything like that. But it just we did some, but we just, yeah, well, we weren't up to scratch, I guess. And and um, yeah, I think my dad thought it was a good, a good thing to do, and we went along. And I actually really. At the time, I kind of enjoyed it more than judo because, like, I'd, I had I've always felt a bit of pressure to like fight in the judo tournaments from, from a young age, and that I actually don't know why what the difference is, but for some reason, when I did wrestling, I just kind of didn't really have any pressure on me. Uh, I didn't feel any pressure anyway, not whether there was or there wasn't, it just it was different, you know what I mean? So, it was you know, kids, kids, competitive judo in this country is uh, it's extremely competitive, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And it always has been, I think. And when I was younger, yeah, like I say, I'm sure we were doing a tournament a weekend nearly, which I think is ex excessive. You know what I mean? I do think that's excessive. Uh, so that's what got me into the wrestling, watching Barry Cooper and Stephen Cooper do it, uh, that were like older, older than me, and people that I looked up to. Sorry, I've got a low battery here. Um, and people that I looked up to, um, and then once I got into it, I took to it like a duck to water because, you know, kids, kids judo, we just want to throw, don't we? You know, we just want to throw, throw, throw. And then when, when I started wrestling, they all just wanted to get to the ground, get to the ground. And I was just like, just, just try to lift people above my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> and just launch people. And I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, so it was just so much fun. So, yeah, it was just very natural and I never, I never uh, really, it's not like I stopped wrestling or anything. I just kind of simultaneously stopped all sports when I was about 15 for a bit, but that's another little story, a bit later, whatever. But um, yeah, I loved you, it, mate. You were, you got fourth at the cadet or junior worlds in wrestling? Yes, right? yeah, like the under 16s, it's like the cadets, the world cadets, yeah. That was like, Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just plug my phone. Hang on, sorry, boys. Um, well, cadets, yeah, I think it was like 1987 or something like that. It was got some weird photos somewhere with a floppy haircut and stuff. <laughs> um, but we didn't, you know, British, the British um wrestling team, it wasn't like we were a big team. I think there was three of us, you know. We went over there and there was like huge teams, man. Really organised. So I've got my ass whooped, to be honest. Um, actually, the fourth place sounds good. But, you know, I won a couple of matches, but I remember I fought first round for a Canadian lad. And uh, God, I never gassed so hard in my entire life. And uh, we just went at it. And I think he beat me something like... It was like a 16 14 scoreline or something, which just tells you quite a bit about the match. You know, there were a lot of points getting scored on both ways. But I remember coming off, and I was like, I just, we we just weren't, we weren't prepared to the same level as some of these athletes. They were already like professional athletes and that at 15, you know what I mean? And 
I weren't. I had the skill levels and stuff to parlay with them, but we just we weren't prepared in the same way. Not no, no, no way in the same way, you know. And I never remember. I couldn't. I, I uh, couldn't even lift my head off the bench. I was so knackered. I mean, and I really didn't want to wrestle again. But anyway, I got pulled back in, and I, I won a couple of matches, and, and I lost for bronze. Yeah, and ended up with a fourth place. So, but at the time, I was devastated. But it was it was, it was a massive loss. Do you know what I mean? I hated losing at anything anyway, even like Monopoly. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's like flipping, flipping the board. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so when did when did sport get proper serious for you, Jim? As in, like, obviously you were doing it. Did it was it always serious as a kid, or did it was there an age where you thought, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this really serious. I'm gonna run with it. Yeah, I think it was. It, I think it was kind of serious when I was a teenager, if you like, because because uh, my dad always pushed me to like go the extra mile to what probably anyone else I was competing against might be doing from quite a young age. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, so, like like things like implementing wrestling into my my kind of into my life so it would help my judo you know he was he was trying to think how I could improve my judo when we went there he wasn't just doing it for the, the crack of it so he was always thinking about how I could be better and stuff like that so I guess kind of just gets a bit serious I won, I won the junior nationals or something when I was about 13 basically before then you know, I wouldn't get, I had like just horrible judo kits and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, my old man wouldn't buy me a decent judo kit until I won a decent medal. So I had like just really horrible kits. And then when I won the uh, national, I think my dad bought me a Darrow kit or something like that. And I was made up as soon as I had that on. Then I felt serious. Do you know what I mean? As well, I suppose. And you do start to take yourself a bit more seriously. You start to get a bit more confidence, don't you? A little bit more bounce when you step on the mat and stuff. And that's where I think it all kind of starts, you know, probably. But not probably, probably, probably until I was about 18, I think, Aaron, something like that. Yeah. And then at 18, was you, where did you train full-time? Was you with Neil or was you at Budokai then? Yeah, no, I started off, because like I said, I had a couple of years off. And I came back when I was about, about 17 or something, 18, I started again. Um, kind of, it's all a bit blurry the actual years, mate. But it's about, it's all about that. And um, I was brand built. I only, I only got back into judo to get my dang grade, you know. Um, I had no intentions of becoming really an athlete or doing anything like that. I had no intentions of that. And um, I just kind of, yeah, just started training, doing it again. And I was just, I realised I was still, I still had it. You know, I, I guess you don't, you don't do like, I, yeah, I'd already done like eight or nine years of judo wrestling and a bit of gymnastics or whatever. So, yeah, I was already kind of, yeah, I was kind of all right. So I got my dang grade and, yeah, just started getting back into it again. But, you know, actually what happened was, I was, I was, I was taking it half seriously, but like you say, you're asking about serious or not serious. And I suppose the turning point was my old man passed away when I was about 18. So I was a bit like, 
and I didn't have a job either. I weren't really working that much at the moment because it was at that time as well. It was quite bad. It was a bad recession. That it was hard to get work at, at the time. Um, so yeah, I just thought, and I know I had already started training actually, and fairly seriously as well. Not just not just once a week. Like I was probably I was training, but I was training like four or five nights a week or something. <clears throat> Again, you know what I mean? Because I was actually starting to enjoy it. And then when my dad passed away and that. It kind of just, um, yeah, it just kind of, it just helped, helped me give me a focus, I suppose. And I just thought, right, well, this is what I'm doing now. And it was, it was like a, it was a massive healing process for me, man. Starting up, starting back up again and uh, training and um, going into that life. The whole, the whole, the whole process of it was very healing for me. I had to, I had to do it. It was the only thing I kind of, the only direction I knew which way to go in, if you know what I mean, but it helped me massively, helped me massively, because, uh, you know, <clears throat> like I say, I was pretty aimless at the time, so, yeah, that was it, so it wasn't really that planned, you know what I mean, um, Yeah, kind of just saying it happened, but, yeah, it was something that happened for the, for the best at the time, you know, yeah. And then from there, was you just moving around clubs like at Budokwai, Camberley? Um, yeah, I waffle along and go off the point, don't I? Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> you asked me about that earlier. I was, uh, I was so, yeah, when I was kind of getting serious on my own, if you like, I started to train a bit more seriously. I was training at Budokwai and, um, and travelling to clubs and stuff. And obviously, Wednesday night, punch up at High Wicker Man places like that, you know, just getting everywhere I could. And then, um, yeah, and then I think I got onto the, like, under-21 team or something. I think I got co-opted because, yeah, I think I won the British, under-21 British Open or something, so I kind of got co-opted on that year. And then the beginning of, I think, the following next year, I went up to Cov and I was, I was up to, I went nil. Um, and that was probably for about three or four years, I think, something like that. Like I say, mate, dates and years are really blurry at the moment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, I really didn't start experiencing full-time until I went to Neil. You know, I was doing my version of full-time before that, but, you know, you quickly learn that that weren't, weren't anywhere near what you should have been doing or whatever. So, <clears throat> that was great. And, um, so and there then, for quite a and bit, you, mate. And then you were in Holland for a bit, weren't you? Yeah, when when I go to Holland, but that was like that was like um, I think it was just after might have been just after two thousand or something like that. Yeah, it was around that time. Um, thinking when I was going to try and when I was preparing to try and qualify for the Athens Olympics. <clears throat> that was it it was the year before so I was there about 2003 something like that 2002 I think for about a year <clears throat> but I was really good friends with all with uh, Dennis and and uh, and them lot from uh, Kanamu and uh, New Corner and that from the tournaments and stuff so <clears throat> they used to have a really good fighter so we had uh, once in a while 
they used to have a good fighter fighting for them in the 66s uh, called uh, Patrick Van Kalken. And I think he left the club or whatever, he, he, he retired or whatever. So they had a, like an opening spot for a 66 kilo. And um, yeah, I guess they could have had loads. They could have had, you know, there's so many people around that, that, that way they could have got in, I suppose. But I was just really good friends with them. And um, we had that good relationship. So they invited me to go over and it was, oh, mate, it was fantastic, man. Really good, really good experience. And we Do won you, um... the... Oh, sorry, we won, the, we won the European Club Club Championships at home in Harlem as well in 2004. That was a wicked, wicked day. And how long were you were you out there training with them for? Yeah, it was about a year, I think, Tom, something like that. Okay. Somewhere around that, yeah. And did, did you sort of, um, you know, you moved around quite a lot and you mentioned that you sort of had your own version of full-time. Did you? That was to... before I went to Coventry, yeah. Yeah, like we and then I actually did it for a little bit afterwards as well. Did okay. it for a little bit on my own for a few years as well. Yeah, and is that just was was that just been you kind of managing all that and deciding what to do next, or did you have anyone sort of guiding you or mentoring you through that? Yeah, I've just kind of I've always yeah I've just always been a bit of a loose cannon, I suppose. So I always just done, I've always done my own thing. Always, which I'm not, I was probably not the right thing, you know what I mean? But <laughs> it's just how it's always been. Um, there's, there's definitely I've had people around that have really been good mentors and have helped me and stuff like that. And there's people that I listen to and take notice to, you know, there's people that you trust and that, and people you know, they're, they're, when they're telling you something, they're telling you something because they want the best for you or whatever, you know what I mean? Always had people like that. Um, but never just one one coach intensely for the whole career. Like I've always, yeah. But then even with Neil, you know, like I'll, even now I'll probably I'll bell him now if I need to know about something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So, why do you think that is? Like, where do you think that comes from? That that sort of individuality and that need to kind of, yeah. What 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 do you? Yeah. What what's the driver behind that? Can you say like why you need that? No, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I just, um, I just, it was just kind of the way it went for me. You know what I mean? Like, like after when I when I came back, when I left Cobb and I was just on my own for a bit because I was just a bit confused at that time. Anyway, then you just get a bit caught in the middle. So I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. It's just one of those phases a little bit. Um, that's why I just went home and so I went home and just started doing my own thing. I was like, <clears throat> I started getting. I started, I was still getting results in that and I kind of felt right, you know what I mean, with the setup of the British team and stuff at the time with Udo and stuff. Um, so whether it was the right thing or not, I don't know, but there's no, there was no, the thing is, Tom, there was no thought behind it, mate. It wasn't me thinking I'm going to be really scientific and I'm going to do exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah. I've just always just done what I wanted anyway. So it's like, even to my own detriment sometimes, you know what I mean? So uh, I think that's just the case of that really. Just I think like, I think I just, you know, I can be quite a tricky personality sometimes. And I think if you like, for me to spend all day with someone, day in, day out, then it's be a really special relationship, you know what I mean, with someone. And, and it's not that I didn't find that, but, but um, yeah, I've never felt like I needed it, I suppose. Yeah, I get you. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, not that like, it, it wasn't planned anyway, Tom, I guess, if that's the question. Definitely wasn't planned. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you, 
just tracking back a little bit, if you don't mind, you mentioned you um, had a break when you were 15, like a couple of years out of the sport. Yeah. Like what, was yeah. the, what was behind that? Just rebellion, man, because um, I'd just had enough. I'd been like training like a nutter for, like you say, for the last nine years or whatever. And actually, it was, it was when I got back from that, that uh, World Cadet Championships we were talking about earlier, because that just tipped me over the edge, because I got my ass kicked as well. I think that was part of it as well. <clears throat> but I was like, I had been training and fighting a lot for, for a long time. And I think I was, my dad was like, we were really close, do you know what I mean? But he was also like, could be a bit pushy as well, a bit sometime. And I think as I was getting to that age, I started telling him to like do one a little bit now and again and stuff like that. So relationships started getting a bit, bit more tense in that respect, you know. So I think when when at some point I just thought, yeah, sorry, I'm really doing my best not to swear. So no, but at some worry, point I just, I just swear, thought, tell, I just, I just thought sod it or whatever. I'm just, like you say, sod it. I ain't, I ain't doing it no more. I can't be asked. I want to go out with my mates. I want to have a laugh. So that's what I went and did for a few years. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it was good. I, don't, I definitely don't regret doing that. That was bloody brilliant, you know, because it's just, like I say, I think, we, I think we put a little bit too much pressure on kids sometimes for competition and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And then it's, obviously, you mentioned your, your dad passing away and that judo yeah. was like a real part of that healing process. Do you think, yeah. Um, yeah, do you think if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't necessarily have gone so full on into the judo? Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, because as well, it was like because because I'd always always done the judo with him, it was so inherently linked with him. Do you know what I mean? Doing it. Um. So yeah, probably could have well been a different path, Tom. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah, I get you. And uh, yeah, your time in in Kanamu, like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because obviously they were so strong. Oh. They were so strong in. Uh, in those days like such a strong team like what, what was it like training out there was it really different to being like what you've done in the uk man it's just um like you say they are so strong it actually makes me laugh when you said it how strong they are it's like all of them you do you go on to a randori session man it's like oh everyone's just made out of granite and they train hard man they all of them they train hard you know what i mean it's like <clears throat> You can be on a, you can be, you can be on a judo mat. You could be on a national training session. And there's people not training that hard. You know what I mean? It's like on there, just club sessions were ding dongs every single time. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know you're going into a war that night. <clears throat> and um, yeah, they, they they hold themselves to a really high standard, man. They really do their own. They just hold themselves to it and have a really good, <clears throat> healthy, competitive nature. You know, really good outlook. They obviously, they, you know, they work like they work like bastards. They know how to enjoy. They know how to relax as well. That's why I love, you know, living there and stuff. Their lifestyle is so nice, man. They just, you know, we're so we're kind of extreme British. They're, they socialise. They'll have a couple of bevs, but we have to get absolutely off our nuts, don't we? And that, and you know, they've just got that little thing. We're just a bit more extreme in that way. You can they're just where, where do you sit? Are you, are you like more extreme, <laughs> or are you more like sensible? <laughs> what what now or then? Well, both. 
<laughs> well, yeah, now I don't, I really, I, I drink much, much, much less than what I did when I was younger, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and like I say, probably like, you know, man, we used to we used to have a couple of beers, and like we 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 have we bonded our relationship with all the Dutch team having beers. Do you know what I mean? Because they good laugh, and they're like always just talking about like robots, man. You know, they have got character and stuff. So I think that's why we bonded with them. That's definitely why I bonded with them. And I'm still mates with them as well now. You know, just like still in contact with a few of them and that. So that's judo for you, though, isn't it? That's awesome. So were you um in uh, out there on your own? Was there any other British players out there with you? No, no, it wasn't. But I was, um, I was also like, they only had. I think that's what was so impressive about that team is they only had a couple of foreigners in it. The rest of them were all like club players. That most that won the uh, European Cup, you know. So I think that just showed you how strong that club was. Um, we had a we had a guy, uh, Brian Olsen, from the states in the club. But yeah, no, no other Brits. There was Danny Kingston from before me years before um it was also a mate of mine so i kind of ended up i guess as mutual friends with dennis and ben and a few of the guys out there so but no yeah i was there on my top mate always go everywhere on my top and they took you in and just sort of looked after you and oh well oh mate they looked after me so well yeah so well nice. unbelievable man i think core made them like Call me like a few of them, like he gave them a schedule and I had to eat around each one of their houses. So I had like a dinner sorted from like Monday to Thursday everywhere, like every week. So yeah, they were really, really nice. That's amazing. So they, they actually yeah. fed you and everything. Mate, they had, they had schedule. Like my mate Ziggy, I think Ziggy was like a Monday night. He's always, always did me for heaters and stuff like that. And just, mate, it was just nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're really nice. That's brilliant. So, yeah, that's um, cool sort of zooming out a little bit and looking at your whole career um yeah you were, you, you were sort of really in the hunt for for both sydney and athens olympics like just yeah. how, how close to you to to go into each of those and like um how was your emotions around that time of like being close and not quite making it yeah well i mean emotions mate you know you just hit the nail on the head there didn't they how your emotions thanks for that tom um sorry it's a killer <laughs> isn't it it's, it's a killer isn't it you know uh so I essentially qualified for Sydney, um, but was behind Somerville at the time. You know, we, we were both we were both in the running for it, and I think I think because at the time I think you had to have it was something something like a like a top nine clean list or something. You know, you know how it works. You know, you have one from each nation or whatever. So it was at the time for you Europeans. I think they had to have top nine of a clean European ranking list kind of thing. And um, I think me and Sammy came in like six and five and six or something like that. I think he qualified in sixth place or something. And I was just five points behind him or something like that. So we'd both kind of got into that qualified zone, um, but he just had those few more points than me, you know, so I didn't get to go for Sydney. So that was the hurter. That was the real hurter because, uh, you know, I think both of us um, felt like we could do something there. You know what I mean? So we were both gunning for it as well. You know what I mean? And actually, if you speak to if you ever speak to Sammy, you get his version of the story. You'll see. You know, he, he had a tough time getting there himself as well. So we both got our own story with that one. And um, 
Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But Sydney was Sydney. We were both good enough. We were both beating the right kind of people and stuff. You know, I think I beat. I think I. Oh, I don't know. I'd beaten some good some good people that year, and I was in. I was kind of in the mix. You know, I mean, we were both feeling like we were in the mix. You know, uh, so the Sydney was the hurter, and I think that was when you talk about emotions. That was the one that that did that was quite emotional because. Uh, because it felt like I was that, like I was kind of there and thereabouts. Do you know what I mean? For the kind of people we were, not beating, like, we're not like, like beating people regularly. You get the time, man. Sixty-six kilos. It's like like today, like still now. I mean, I don't think any of the categories are getting any smaller now, are they? It seems seems to be the, the quality seems to just be growing to me. You know, so. Um, but you know, even back then, it was year two thousand. Some of the you could walk into a tournament and you could have first match in any tournament. It was just ridiculous that year, 2000, leading up to Sydney. Um, yeah, so it was it was brilliant. It was a brilliant it was a brilliant experience in terms of doing it all and going for it and everything. Um, but yeah, it was gutting not making it. Um, and then when it, you know we both tried again for Athens, and I think probably. I think we we're probably both a bit better as well then, you know. Um, but just this didn't quite, just didn't quite make it. I think it was something like, I think I landed somewhere like 11th or something like that, you know what I mean? Just a couple of places outside. But I felt like a better judo player then, actually, I have to say. Um, that's sort of disappointment. But, it, but then also it felt like it was marking the end as well. So the disappointment and everything from that was was just as great as the first one as well, if you know what I mean. So it was like, um, yeah, never even getting a sniff at the Olympics was tough. You know what I mean? When you put so much into it. But actually, when when you look like, with hindsight, it's it's really, it's not, it don't have to be tough because it's, it's, it's such a minute opportunity when you think about it. You know, if I had to advise anyone get get thinking about taking judo seriously, I'd, I'd probably tell them not to get too hung up over the Olympics. If I'm brutally honest, mm. yeah, it's different. I mean, I know what you mean, but at that time, it's uh, it's all consuming. It's everything it? to you, isn't everything. It? Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I look at your your you mentioned them. You know, the level the players you guys are fighting. You've got wins. You beat Aaron Sibia twice, I think. Georgiev, Demorel, Kadalashvili, Yamatsu, uh, Kernak, who got Olympic silver. So you're you guys like you're right in the mix with those guys. Um, like how how do you look back and sort of what do you think? Like how do you rate yourself in that? Like do you sort of can you look back at that with perspective and say, you know, I was I was that level, or do you get do you still think about that Olympic disappointment as defining your your career? No, I think I think um, you mustn't definitely mustn't let it define your career. Do you know what I mean? And probably, probably everybody who's ever done competitive judo, we're probably all guilty of it. You know what I mean? I can't. You know, um, it's never never enough, is it? Don't matter what you win. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you was like, you become world champion, if you then found out there's the bloody universal championships you're going to need to win that you? until you're satisfied kind of thing so it's like <laughs> in high insight that but at the time you just I'm like, do you know what tom i've even forgotten i've forgotten the question again like my head shot to shit mate so no worries mate like do you 
do you look like how do you think when you look back to your career like how do you like sort of not how do you rate yourself but what sort of feeling oh, right. yeah when you look back um can you can you sort of see like i was good enough just you know the stars have to be aligned don't they and maybe it just wasn't for you or do you you know how, what do you think when you look back basically yeah i know you could get all philosophical about it and all that can't you and uh and try and work out why this and why that um but i think that's the that that's the i get getting up like getting a growing a bit older now and stuff like that and, and when you start to really i you start I still start to take on the lessons from judo which you know jigoro kano goes on about in fundamentals and stuff like that you know about it about it um you know spilling out into your life and stuff like that and even like uh the more you think about it it's like even a judo tournament within all the emotions and everything you feel within a judo tournament they're almost like a metaphor for life anyway you live and die three four five times in one day don't you you know what i mean metaphorically so um when i look back into it i've got no regrets you know, I've definitely got no regrets. I wished I'd have won some more shit for definite. Yeah. We all do. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but definitely no regrets. And 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 weirdly, you asked me about how we rated ourselves within that. That's that's a that's quite an awkward question to ask, really, I suppose, to answer that honestly. You know, I think like there was a moment, there was a moment when I was getting started and um when I didn't feel like the level at all, you know, and you just feel like you, and you feel like you, you, uh, you feel like you're at a party that you, you, you can't, you know what I mean? You can't kind of survive in or whatever. You just, you, you feel a little bit at your depth. I did anyway, initially. And, and there's some, I think there's some degree of blag where you're like just blagging it. You're almost blagging yourself that you can do it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that you're not scared or whatever. I don't know, whatever, whatever fears we've got going on in our heads and that. But it was definitely, I think it was definitely, I think in 2000, I started to feel part of it, if you know what I mean. Um, like, I probably was not in that world uh, rostrum uh, level yet, but I felt like I could be there, do you know what I mean? And I felt like if I kept knocking, I felt like I could get, I did genuinely start to feel a part of it, you know what I mean? When I started to beat some people that, you know, you you do when you first beat someone that you shouldn't beat, and it's like, and then, and then it's a fluke as well. And you're like, you know, after you wants to go, yeah, just kind of beat him, but you know deep down inside that it was there was some luck on your side. You know what I mean? If whatever it was, whether they were like, whether they've, whether someone's drawn their attract into attention or whatever it is, if you know you've fluked it deep down, you know you have, and you know when you've beaten someone as well. You know. And when you truly start to beat people, when you've, you've really beaten them, that's that, that's where you get your confidence. I think that's where you feel like you are a real threat. You know, and on your on, on your day, you can pull the big medal in. Man. And you, athletes show it, man, don't they? Athletes show it all the time, don't they? Especially at Olympic events. And that's why we all want to get there. You look at, uh, was it Basile? Basile in the mm. 66s. His Olympic story is pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. How he just came through and became Olympic champion that day. It's fantastic, man. That little prick beat me fucking nine months Did before. Did he? Yeah. He <laughs> GB World Cup for bronze. He foot swept me in front of my dad. I was so pissed off. I was oh, my dad. Man. My dad never really comes to watch. And then my dad came to Scotland to watch 
front of my oh, old man, right. mate. I was gone. Yeah, but yeah, but like Aaron, I know that one, mate. I had um in the um 2001 Worlds in Munich, my whole family came over to watch me. I lost first match, man. It was horrible. Uh, it was horrible, man. Yeah. So I yeah. know that one. Man. I was devastated because like I was just trying to horribleize. I was just trying to be so horrible to him. And it was quite close for a bit. And it was like, there weren't, there weren't long left. There was about 20 seconds left. And I ran at him because I was losing. And mate, he just done that, sh- that, that foot sweep. That, and it, honestly, I went about six foot up in the air, mate. I just got up and I, I lost so much weight as well. And I was just like, yeah, no, this is so shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's judo, huh? it's judo. And then, yeah, a year later, he won the Olympic Games. But he went on a rampage after that. Won everything, qualified, and yeah. absolutely dismantled the Olympics. I don't know. I don't know the full story, but I'm pretty sure I heard a story about. Like, I think his qualification went up to right last minute, didn't it? Yeah, did he, he only qualified so, last minute or something. Didn't last he? tournament, yeah, yeah, last tournament. So, Birdie <coughs> uh, was actually in in front of him to qualify, mm. and right. then he just won. He got a few medals at some Grand Prix, and then. I think the last tournament, the second to last tournament, he actually beat Verdi to get into a bronze fight somewhere, got bronze and then and then qualified, something like that. But it was it was right down to the wire when he qualified. And he just qualified yeah. just qualified and stood in front of Verdi yeah. and then and then And then he really won it. Yeah, and then he oh my <laughs> god. What he'd done at that Olympic Games is a joke. Yeah, he really went and won it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what did you find the most challenging, Jim? being an athlete in, in judo? Um, like food, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, just being disciplined with your food and stuff like that because I love to eat a ton of crap sometimes. I always did as well. So uh, being disciplined with that. Um, and you know, it's it's the usual thing. You know, the financial strain's never fun, is it? And it is always a reality. I think it's uh, don't seem to be much better nowadays or whatever. I don't know. I think it's even worse, isn't it? Um, but it's always a struggle. But you know, that's the whole point of duo, isn't it? It's not. It's it's meant to be a struggle, and it's you're meant to like improve yourself. And if you if you like, kind of. If you want to do it, if you want something that much, then you find a way of getting it done, then you? you just do. You know, that's the beautiful thing behind it. Um, what have you got? What's, have you got any memories that stand out in front of every, any other memories, like the funniest memory or favourite memory being doing judo? Um, oh, man. It's just, do you know what? They're probably like, they're funny, but they're probably not on the mat. You know what I mean? They're probably near yeah, a yeah. mat. Yeah, or like on a mini bus or something somewhere. But uh, do you know what, Aaron? It's like sticking someone. It's like telling a comedian to do a joke, isn't it? Yeah, sticking someone on the It's like I don't know, man. You know, I'll put a phone down and think of a million funny stories. Um, but actually, you know, I think that's what keep. I think that's what keeps us all going, though, isn't it? That how much of a laugh it is. Yeah. yeah. When you when, definitely when you're like uh, when you're traveling around as a team or whatever, or, or you've got you know your, your full time club or whatever, but whatever, whatever your little unit is, you know what I mean. When you're traveling around, you know you never forget those. You never forget the days of the banter we are in between sessions or whatever, uh, to and from sessions and all that. So 
after judo, you got into like film and acting and directing. And how did that come about? And was it always something you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's what I was saying to Tom earlier when, when I'd just gone to him saying, like, um, it was always something I'd love to have done, but I, it was like never an option. Do you know what I mean? It just weren't in the kind of radar things. And then um, I was still, I feel, it, it was like, must have been 1999 or something. So I'd have been training for Sydney and all that. And uh, I was in the Budokai and uh, got spotted by a guy, Richie spotted me. And uh, yeah, he just asked me if I wanted to cast for Snatch. And at the time, you know, Lockstock and Lockstock had just come out and was absolutely huge. So I was like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus yeah, if I want to do that, come and do that. So I actually ended up on that film set as one of the pikeys in it. And um, yeah, man, it was like, opened my eyes. It was, just, it was amazing, it was an amazing experience. But I was still, I was still fighting then, so I didn't get straight into it. I just, um, because I was still like training and fighting and stuff, but it was just a little, it was just a little look into it, if you know what I mean. It was just like a little couple of weeks on set. <clears throat> and I just thought, yeah, I thought it was something I might be able to do um, as I start to come out of judo or something, you know what I mean? So it gave me, I had a look a few years before I retired, if you know what I mean? So I did have a little bit of an idea about, about doing it um, back then, if you know what I mean. But it wasn't until, I fully left judo and stuff that I started getting into the film industry again. <clears throat> um, and actually, it might have even been, it might have been a couple of years after, because I actually had a little clothing label for a bit. I used to have like a streetwear, little streetwear label. Um, yeah, and I was doing it, and I was doing that while I was still doing judo, because I could do it kind of part time, and I, had, and I was my own boss kind of thing. So I had my own little thing going on. I remember, uh, I remember, I remember that. Like, I was young, but I remember hearing you sold t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, sell t-shirts. But um, yeah, I just ended up, I ended up doing hats and t-shirts and jumpers and hoodies and all kinds of stuff. And um, yes, yeah, so I did that for a few years, kind of full time after judo. So mm. really, the film stuff and that came in a little bit later. How do you start doing something like fashion? Like, what do you do? Like, do you know people in that industry, or do you like start from scratch? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> No, but you know what? The the um, I had a kind of a kind of mentor at one point, a business mentor, and he was, he said to me, you know, that industry, like doing t-shirts, like it's the easiest business to get into, and it's the hardest one to stick around in. Okay. Because you, you know you can actually you can earn a couple of quid out of a t-shirt if you've got an idea or whatever. That's all fashion is, isn't it? I suppose they're they're making a top for ten quid and they're selling you for hundred and ten quid, whatever. Um, and it's all about the story behind it and you know obviously some of it's about the quality but not all of it sort of it's just stories mm. and ideas which is what everything is I suppose in some ways um, so yeah I knew nothing about it either Tom I liked t-shirts at the time I liked hats I liked I watched an NERD music video lap dance music video when it was fresh out like and I saw Pharrell's trucker cap and I thought I want one of them man and you couldn't get one anywhere at the time. And I found one little shop that I used to like going to. It was called Bond in uh, Newburgh Street in Soho. And they had a couple of truck cabs in there, but they had shit designs on them. So I just thought, I'm going to do mine. So I just went away. I'd done a bunch of them. Yeah. And they just went like hotcakes, man. I sold loads. I sold absolutely loads of them. No, that <laughs> um, was your, your design. You did the designs, yeah? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I just it was just it was literally just like a stencil and a tag because I wasn't you know when I was younger I was into break dancing and graffiti and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't not the most amazing graffiti artist. But I can do, but you know I've got my little ways. Do you know what I mean? So I had an idea and it kind of just worked. It kind of just worked for a bit, and it was really good. But it was hard to. I wanted to try and go even further, but you know the kind of uh, world that I was in, I was uh, c- trying to compete with brands like Stuzzy and things like that. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's not easy to do, you know, they're, they're huge, these companies. And they're like, yeah. you know, um, anyway, but man, that was, it was good. I really enjoyed it, but it had a, had a short, short life to it really in the end, did it for a few years. But Any t-shirts or hats still, still knocking about? Can we find them anywhere? No. Do you know what? I sold everything, so that ain't too bad, is it? That's good, mate. It's good. There'd yeah. be somebody out there, limited edition now. It'd be like the the thing is, they they are knocking around though. Yeah, they are knocking around. Sometimes a, a friend or something pop up. I think oh, I can't believe it. I tried to try to sell him a t-shirt last time. Yeah. I saw him. What's the What's the brand? Is there a brand name? Is there like a brand name to it? it used to be called Contact. Contact. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a look. Um, I know I had this idea about. But it was just a logo on a tag, and I just had the idea about a logo looking like a kind of building firm or like an aggregate firm, something with foundations. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure but, I remember one of the boys at Fisham had had one, and it I think it had a skyline on it, like a t-shirt with a skyline on it. Is that yours? Yeah, so that would have just been one little design thing, and that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'd have, I guess I'd have been taking hats, hats and t-shirts to squad trainings and all sorts, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And then, did you have, have you still got? Did you have a hairdresser's gym, or do you still have? I a still have that, Aaron. Yeah, because I remember, I remember, like at Camberley, like were, I was like, and then we, remember the boys saying, like, yeah, Jim owns a hairdresser's, and I'll come. I'll, I'll admit, I was another thing I was meant to ask you, and then I was like, oh, I was like, can Jim cut hair? I was like, does he cut women? I was, I remember, I remember asking Burnsy like so many questions about it. <laughs> like really it's quite sitting down. Yeah, I was like, does Jim, can Jim cut women's hair and stuff like that? I was, I was, I was like, is he a stylist? Is he this? And he was like, I don't know, T. I was like, he's like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, I'll ask Jim. I'll ask Jim. And I always wondered about it. Oh, man. No, I still have it. I still have it. And um, and actually, it just coming back because I was, like I say, when I finished judo and I, was, I had my own business doing the, the clothes and that, my sister's a hairdresser. And uh, I've got three older sisters and my kind of the one closest to me in age, Sarah. She's a hairdresser. And um, yeah, at the time we were just, she was thinking about doing a salon and that. And yeah, we kind of just, we went into it together. That was like about 12 years ago. Still got it. Where, whereabouts is it, Jim? It's in Stoke Newton, okay. North East London. Yeah. Um, yes, it's good, man. But I don't do, I, but yes, I had it when I started it. Yes, I don't have any now. And uh, I can't do women's, all men's hair. I'll, <laughs> I reckon I'll, I'll do your, your bonnet though, mate. I'll do skinhead. Yeah, yeah. Next yeah, time, when, I, when, so, I eventually, when I want one, eventually, I'll, I'll give you a shot. Yeah, we'll have to do my own, mate. So, you know, if you need to, like, check my work. <laughs> <laughs> um What's this is going to be a tough one? What's the best film you've been involved in, or like on your own independent film, or a, like some in that in like that kind of industry? What's the best kind of project you've been involved in? Um, well, I, I ain't that hard, mate. So, actually, like I've been in, been in some bits now, but um, 
I've been in five of Guy Ritchie's films now, and I think probably like the most fun one so far is the last one we did, which is The Gentleman, mate. That was just, yeah, we yeah. had a right, we had a good giggle that one. Um, he, was, he was on set yeah, with probably, actually, though, when I really think about it, though, it's probably Snatch, because that was like, that was my first ever experience of a film set, and it was, you know, it was hilarious, and it was just, it was really good fun. So that's, the first one's always the best, isn't it? Because that's when you're mm. like, you're just like a naive kid thinking this is brilliant, you know what I mean? Um, and when things become more real, yeah, they're, they're not as good, maybe, but... Um, but actually, the gentleman was a really good project to be involved with, purely because, um, you know, if, as an actor, you want to get in front of the camera as much as you can. You know, and that's, that's 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 all there is to it. So, in the gentleman, I think that's the most camera time I've been given on a film yet. Um, even though, actually, you know, there's some obviously you get stuff cut out and there's you know you know uh, scenes are edited and stuff like that. So. But just by way of um, how much we were kind of involved in the story and uh, in the scenes. And actually, we, we filmed that. The fight scene that they shot was right around the music video and all that. That was, that was a big, you know, that was a big load of job. That it looks, it's quite quick in the film, in the film, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And um, doing that and the rehearsals for it and working with all the stunt team and everything, uh, the stunt coordinators and the other stuntmen and all that, and choreographing fight scenes and all that, that was, yeah, it was wicked. It was absolutely, that was a wicked experience. So, you know, actually, Guy guy kind of gave me a good role in King Arthur as well. And that had some, we had done a good fight scene in that as well. So, you know, those kind of movies, I guess them two were my biggest kind of involvement in terms of doing these fight scenes with dialogue and everything, you know, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, probably the gentleman, I guess, mate, because it's the most recent. It's because I can't remember anything now, Aaron, mate. So I've only got my own memory goes back about a year or so. If I'm lucky, <laughs> too many throws, mate. You I, mean, actually, I think that's what it is, man. I walk <laughs> into doors all the time, man. <laughs> You're not the first person we spoke to that said they got bad memory from judo. You, you no, and said, I mean, you I, said the same. You and like, yeah, I, I didn't anything. say it was from judo. Though. It could have been from anything else, couldn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, it, it, it does make me wonder sometimes because, man, I've had a few concussions, man, you know what I mean? And the yeah. way they go on about concussions now, like they're a bad thing. They used to just, used to just like shake them off. But it's no joke when you start to, when you start to think about head injuries and mental health and things like that. It's very, you know, it's bloody serious, man. And, and uh, yeah. you, don't, was... you don't always look hard. I don't, I don't think... I don't think fighters look after themselves enough. I think they need looking after. They need someone to bloody look after you. Stop you being such a lunatic on the map sometimes, you know? Yeah. Did you did you did you struggle at all? Obviously you kept yourself really busy, but like did you have Well psychologically? Psychologically, yeah, like through your career or when you finished? Terribly. Terribly. Yeah. Not through the career. I loved it while I was doing it. You know, you get ups and downs, didn't you? But it is a the thing is it is a psychological sport. Obviously. So I think going, it almost goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being guided out of it or having some exit plans or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because um, to be that psychologically involved in what you're doing as well um, and to compete at those kind of levels. I, th I think I think someone do needs to literally almost psychologically bring you back down off of it, 
like mm. almost hold your hand a little bit. You know what I mean? It's almost like you know when you. I saw the. Um, you see Joe Rogan talking to Mike Tyson. Yeah, I have seen like, a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, now and about Tyson was talking about how um, like kind of they almost used to hypnotise him and stuff like that, and um, and Rogan was saying like like. What was the where was the, the off switch? You know what I mean? How did they turn you off? And he's like, Well, they obviously there is no off switch, so it's like, you know, what I mean, I'm not saying every fighter's like Mike Tyson or whatever or, or done those same kind of ways, but if you if you you're involved in psychological warfare essentially, like in your sport and that, um, you need to understand the other side of it, I think, and how to come down off of that. I think that's really important. I think a lot, I think a lot. I think everyone struggles and no one says nothing about it because because of whatever reason, I guess for years, I guess there's stigmas, people go, oh, they don't want to sound like they're moaning uh, or whatever ridiculous reasons it is, do you know what I mean? But I think people, I think everyone struggles. Um, the answer, if I, absolutely, yes. Like like hell and back sometimes, if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, but yeah, you just got to find a way, you know, you've got to like, Yeah. yeah, for sure. You what advice? To... What advice or things do you think need to be improved? If you were telling like an like an up and coming athlete or someone that's just finished or someone struggling, any advice or feedback you'll give to someone to help them, Jim? What advice would you give? Man, that is so. That's a tough question, man. Because it's like I think so, for someone getting started. Um, I think I'd, I think I think it's I think it's very important to have something else, man. You know, yeah. don't pull your all your eggs in one basket. Definitely not all your psychological eggs. You know, um, so you need you need like good distractions. Do you know what I mean? Um, also, I would start. I would. I, I think if you're going to pursue anything like that, you need as much stability in your private and life outside of that as you can. You know what I mean? If you, I think, if you've got a load of crap going on and um, stresses and things like that, it's definitely going to affect your. It's definitely going to affect your sport and your performances. Um, I would also, I would also, you know, you've got a plan for the end. You got, you got a plan for the end, man, and you got to think about it. And it needs to be, um, yeah, it just needs to be given some thought and consideration. You know what I mean? Um, yes, and and like, oh, you got to like go a bit easy on yourself. I think we beat ourselves up like we was talking about time about your results are never enough and all that kind of thing and. Some kind of internal language. I, 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 I probably would. I think. I think part of the problem with it is, is it, it's. I think we all agree it's a psychological sport, and everyone knows that. But there's not, there's not enough psychological training, and I think that's probably the problem. It's, it's yeah. probably as simple as that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That that we we train and compete and fight in a sport that is extremely physical in every single way and you know very tough physically sport 
but you know it takes us places psychologically maybe we weren't we weren't we weren't not that we weren't we were scared again but not just places we didn't know we were going to have to go do you know what i mean it's like the training in that aspect is not i don't think i actually don't know at the moment because i don't know if it is up to scratch but i think it should be taken as importantly as the physical especially when you talk to when you talk to big champions and stuff and you've got big champions telling you, well, it's, it's, it's a 99% mental sport. Okay. But we train 99%. We train physically. 99% of the time we're training physically. But you know what I mean? So I think, I think psychological training is the way forward without a doubt. And because you need to understand that. And I think, and I think uh, people going into it need to understand what they are going into as well. Yeah, because it sure. is because it is a result-based, uh, performance-based sport. So, if you ain't if you ain't pulling the results, you ain't getting selected. You ain't getting sent about. You ain't getting this. You ain't getting that. You know, yeah. and it's like you can you can you can kind of bitch and moan as much as you want, but you know, results do the talking. That's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, I guess in many ways, there's loads of the, everything's there's black and white, and then it's grey. So everything's different. But I always think like. My, my way was always to just try and focus on results and if, if I ain't got the results, I can't really, I can't really complain. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. People going into it, they need a little smack of reality, don't they? You need, you need a bit of guidance, man, that's all, that's all. And I think where you've got some, you know, there's people in the country that do that really well. And, uh, you know, you need a good coach, don't you? You need good people around you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, 100%, mate. What are you up to now, Jim? Just hiding out in the Algarve at the moment, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, well, like, I came here in the summer and uh, and then, like, after after lockdown and stuff like that, and lockdown was a bit of an eye-opener for a lot of people, wasn't it, I think, in, in um, yeah. what they're doing in their lives and stuff like that. But, you know, I came over and I've just, I've actually always wanted to be in a place Parts of the Algarve like paradise, man. Honestly, some of the beaches and that are just unreal. And uh, you know, I like to surf a little bit, Aaron, and that as well. And um, down in southwest Portugal, some good surf spots and stuff. And man, I'm in terrible nick at the moment because uh, my shoulders are in pieces. I can hardly paddle. But anyway, that's that's what I've always wanted to be somewhere like this. So I'm just kind of taking the opportunity this year just to come and have a look and test it, man. Awesome. Like, like I say, I've lived a few different places and. Um, I always just think, well, if you don't like it, just go home, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's true. yeah. And also, there's a lot of, there's, there's um, some kind of like potential film stuff happening over here in the next couple of years and stuff like that as well. So there is kind of other reasons why I'm here as well. Um, and at the moment, I can just, you know, I can pretty, I can pretty much write uh, work anywhere. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. All right, last question, Jim. Yeah. Uh, the secret question, not a secret question, but imagine, imagine you see yourself on a billboard, all right? Uh, what would your motto be in life? Or uh, any advice you could give someone, like your motto, you're standing there and then you've got a, like a motto. Probably don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
days here, mate. Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. Don't ask me, definitely. That's what I would say. Nice, I like it. All right, boys. Uh, cheers, Jim. Thanks a lot for coming on, mate. Uh, that is right. It was good, Appreciate man. Appreciate it. Nice one, boys. Well done as well, man. Well done for doing it, yeah. Thanks, man. No, no worries. Good, man. All right. Boys, take care. See you later, mate. Take care. See you later, mate. Bye. Bye.